Well, hello, and welcome to This is True Crime, y'all. Today, we're going to discuss two Colombian serial killers. That's right, it's a twofer. It could have been a threefer after discovering another Colombian serial killer while researching these two fucking animals. But we'll save that one on my ever-growing list of the world's worst humans to cover at a later date. We'll start with Pedro Alonso Lopez, the second worst serial killer of all time. Although it is said that he probably didn't kill the 350 children he claimed to, it is confirmed that he murdered 59 children and teens whose bodies were recovered from his 11-year killing spree from 1969 to 1980. Then we're going to move on to the worst of the worst. Luis Garavito, another Colombian child rapist who killed at least 138 boys in the 80s and 1990s. The Associated Press reports on July 14, 1980, police find 59 bodies. Police in the mountain town of Ambato said Monday that they have found 59 bodies of little girls who were raped and murdered by a man Ecuadorian newspapers have dubbed the Monster of the Andes. The police told Quito newspapers the bodies were found in shallow graves in the Andean provinces of, I'm sure I'm going to fuck this up, Tungaraja, Cotapaxi, Chimborazu, Pinchincha, and Imbatura. It all started with a natural disaster. A flash flood in Ambato, Ecuador, which unearthed the remains of four victims. Pedro Alonso Lopez, identified as a 28-year-old Colombian, has been jailed in Ambato, the capital of Tungaraja province, about 75 miles south of Quito, since the first week of March. Lopez was arrested after he approached a girl in a public plaza and is being held in Ambato until a court can determine the charges to be brought against him. During his stay waiting for his court date, an undercover detective was placed in his cell, and he just flat out spilled the beans about everything. Tell people know that this happens. They place decoys, detectives in your jail pretending to be priests, murderers. They're just hoping for a confession. And he was just like, all right, cool. I did this. No big deal. When police confronted him with his jailhouse confession, he agreed to take the police to a mass burial site where they found the graves of 53 of his murder victims. He would later plead guilty to 110 charges of murder only two months later. In one three-year period, he was averaging three victims a week. He said that he knew from the age of eight that he was going to be a killer, explaining, I was the seventh son of 13 children of a prostitute in Tolima, Colombia. My mother threw me out when I was eight after she caught me touching my sister's breasts, and I was taken in by a man who raped me over and over again. It was then I decided to do the same to as many young girls as possible. 
In his one and only ever interview, he pledged to murder again as soon as he was released, saying, quote, I will be happy to kill again. It is my mission, end quote. Talking with the journalist at the prison in Mbato, shortly before his release, I said it, release, y'all. Okay, we're going to get to that, but I am, <clears throat> I am, whew, I am fired up about that. But, okay, we'll, we'll get there. He gave gruesome insight into the tortured mind of a serial killer. I would walk among the market searching for a girl with a certain look on her face. A look of innocence and beauty. She would be a good girl, always working with her mother. I followed them, sometimes for two or three days, waiting for the moment when she was left alone. The missing local children were thought to have been kidnapped and sold into slavery or simply ran away on their own. Law enforcement didn't even entertain the idea of a serial killer being on the loose. Although he killed mostly local impoverished children, he did have hopes and dreams of capturing children of tourists. As he would say, quote, I spent many days following English and Scottish families and their beautiful blonde daughters, but I never got the chance to take one. Their parents were too watchful, end quote. He would say of his victims that he lulled them with cuddles before raping them at sunrise. He explained, when the sun rose, I would strangle her. It was only good if I could see her eyes. I never killed anyone at night. It would have been wasted in the dark. I had to watch them by daylight. He said it took the girls five to 15 minutes to die, and he was, quote, very considerate, that he would spend a long time with them, making sure they were dead. I would use a mirror to check if they were breathing. End quote. Get the fuck out of here. He would also go on to say several gross things like, There's a wonderful moment, a divine moment, when I have my hands around a young girl's throat. I look into her eyes and I see a certain light, a spark, suddenly go out. Sometimes they would come back to life and I would have to kill them all over again. They never screamed because they didn't expect anything would happen. They were innocent. Lopez would often indulge in sick, gruesome games with his victims, even propping them up in their graves for conversations and macabre parties. He would later add, my little friends like to have company. I often put three or four little girls in a single hole and talk to them. It was like having a party, but after a while, because they couldn't move, I got bored and went looking for new girls. Their fingers would flutter briefly at the moment of death, and it is enthralling and exciting. Only those who would have actually killed know what I mean. Someday, when I am released, I will feel that moment again. I will be happy to kill again. Lopez was captured as he tried to snatch a little girl. Luckily, the 10-year-old's mother, Carlina Pavita, saw Lopez walking away hand-in-hand hand with her daughter Maria. She screamed, and an angry mob of market workers pounced on the stranger, holding him down until police arrived. 
he went on to say that he had been captured once before in Peru. And of that, he said, Indians in Peru had me tied up and buried in sand up to my neck. They placed syrup on me and were going to let me be eaten by ants. Whoa, like honestly, these people had the right idea. Like I can get down with that. But an American missionary later came by in her Jeep and promised them she would turn me over to police. They left me tied up in the back of her Jeep and she drove away. But she released me at the border of Colombia and let me go. She didn't attract me because she was too old. Oh God, I bet she's fucking kicking her own ass right now. What little we know of his childhood is rather disturbing. At the age of eight, he was turned out of his home after... Like he said, his mom caught him touching his sisters. He was taken in by a man who turned out to be a pedophile and was abused for quite some time. Then an American couple tried to help him. But after a couple of years when he was expelled from school and finally imprisoned, then he was gang raped in prison by four people. Lopez claimed his murders were revenge for the gang rape he suffered in prison and because of the mistreatment from his mother. Wow. So you killed little girls because of that. Okay. He was already a convicted murderer because he slit the throats of the three men who had raped him as an 18-year-old in the Colombian jail where he was serving time for car theft. Now, I'm sure y'all wondering... If this douche canoe is getting some prison justice every day of his life, asking yourself, I wonder what prison he's in. Maybe I'll look it up. What death row is he waiting on? Well, here's a shocking headline, again, from the Associated Press. Killer of over 300 gets 16-year jail term. Yep, you heard it. I heard it. I was sure that that was a misprint, but apparently not. Just stay with me, people. I'm sure you're just as pissed off as I am right now. A man who police say confessed to sexually assaulting and strangling 300 girls in three South American countries was convicted and sentenced to... 16 years in prison. He was convicted on 110 counts of murder, but Ecuadorian law set 16 years as the maximum punishment for murder and prohibits consecutive sentences. They must run concurrently. Lopez was convicted and sentenced Monday in the southern town of Mbato by Judge Jose Roberto Cobos Mocosco. He was arrested there nine months ago, and police told the court he bragged of killing the girls in the Andes region of Ecuador, Peru, and Colombia. They said he led investigators to the graves of 59 girls. He once boasted that he would write a book about his crimes. This is from the Scotland Journal. Murder of 350 children free to slaughter more. December 6th, 1998. One of modern history's worst murderers, a serial killer of 350 children, has been released from prison and is free to kill again. 
Pedro Alonso Lopez served less than one month in jail in Ecuador for each of the young girls he murdered. You heard it. Less than one month per child that he raped and murdered. Oh my God, it makes my brain hurt and my heart too. In a move that baffled people from nation to nation, with more severe justice system saying that he has been released for good behavior and they don't understand it. Yes, neither do I. What good behavior? What? The fact that he couldn't kill small children because he was locked up? I don't even understand how anyone can say that. Knowing what this man did, having evidence of his crimes, it is mind-boggling. The evidence, y'all. I am screaming the evidence. Whew, okay, I'm sorry. If you need to take a break, like get a drink, smoke them if you got them, because whew, I just, I can't even. When finding out about his upcoming release, he had the fucking nerve to say this. I'm about to be a free man again, he says. They're releasing me on good behavior. He also said, I am the man of the century. No one will ever forget me. So, on the date of his release, and under the cover of darkness, a prison van slips through the gates of the jail in the dead of night and makes its way towards the Colombian border. It speeds along for several hours, with the people sleeping unaware of the unimaginable horror that was passing through their lives and was about to be set free. Later, as dawn was breaking, the vehicle pulled off the road and Pedro Alonso Lopez was kicked out the back door and onto the soil of Colombia, his homeland. The monster of the Andes, the worst and most feared serial killer in the world, has been released and primed to strike again. So yes, you heard that right. He was released. Uh, Because Ecuador has no death penalty. He was quietly and secretly deported back to Colombia because he had no visa to stay in Ecuador. But only a week later, police arrested him in Ecuador and took him back to Colombia. There he feared he was going to face a firing squad. And in my opinion, that would have been awesome. And even though he had admitted to 240 murders in Peru and Colombia, The cost and complexity of a trial like that to the taxpayers prevented him from ever standing trial in either of those countries. So instead of him facing trial, he actually was declared insane and placed in the psychiatric wing of a hospital in the capital of Bogota in 1995. And whew, okay. Three years later, yep, three years later, this child rapist scum of the earth was let out of the nut house when the hospital declared him sane. Okay, I don't even know how that's possible considering what he did, uh, but in three years you fixed him. You, you fixed him from, okay, okay. They released him with a $70 bail bond. And what did Lopez do? He disappeared immediately, of course. I mean, imagine that. 
<sighs> Since then, he has been on the run. No doubt free to do what he loves. Raping, killing, and watching small children die in front of him during the sunrise. When quizzed about the killer's release in the summer of 1998, prison's minister Pablo Figuero would only say, Yes, it does sound strange, but that is our law. The killer's free, but y'all, these people, these people whose children he took away, they can never feel safe. They're stuck in a prison of their own for the rest of their lives, while this man is literally free. I'm sorry, I'm still shocked. It's insane. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll move on. Um, he won't live long, said the tough mother of Maria Pavedo, the young Ecuadorian girl who helped in his capture. It will be a kindness to the world for someone to murder this fiend, she says. Lopez, now in his 40s, spent his 16-year sentence in solitary confinement, never meeting fellow prisoners and rarely mixing with guards after relatives of the victims put a $25,000 bounty on his head. I mean, it's honestly just too bad no one could claim that money. So two months after he was released, when everyone found out that he had been released two months previously under the cover of darkness, they were told that they were not informed of the date because they did not want moms and vigilantes gathering at the prison gates. Boy, I wish they would have. I would have paid money to see him torn limb from limb and filmed for posterity. Even Victor Lascano, the governor of Umbato Jail, said, God save the children. He is unreformed and totally remorseless. This whole nightmare may start again. Television and radio stations in those countries are still besieged to this day with calls from frantic parents who swear to have seen Lopez lurking in their communities. Every police officer in the border area between Colombia and Ecuador carries a photo of Lopez in their wallet. That's how serious this is. There have been no cases of missing young girls reported in Ecuador, Colombia, or Peru in the last couple of years. No one knows if Pedro Alonso Lopez is dead or alive. But he slipped under the radar for 11 years, so I'm sure that he could do it again. And someone says, this is a quote, one of his victim's family members, maybe that is why we haven't heard more of missing girls. Perhaps someone, even the police in Colombia or Ecuador, have already killed him. If they have, I hope they made him suffer. Perhaps the monster of the Andes was finally murdered by someone who felt they were doing humanity a service. Or perhaps he is simply biding his time before his second reign of terror and unimaginable wickedness can begin all over again. And although I'm just still very livid, we're going to move on to the second uh, monster, if you will. And if you didn't like the outcome of the last case, 
Spoiler alert, this one's going to suck big time, too. This guy, Luis Alfredo Garavito Cubillos, known as La Bestia, or The Beast, also operated in Colombia at the same time. He has another nickname as well. It's Tribilin, which is um, the Disney character Goofy, which actually fits because he looks like one goofy motherfucker. He confessed to committing rape, torture, mutilation, and murder of 147 minors in West Colombia between 1980 and 1992. It is estimated that he has a minimum of 200 murders. Basically, any town Garavito resided in, the reports of child molestation and missing children in these areas spiked dramatically. Now let's talk a little bit about his shit childhood. Not because I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for the kid him. I feel sometimes it's very relevant to how people turn out. You know, the nature versus nurture conflict that everyone talks about. Although many people who have been abused do not become serial killers. Louis Garavito was born in Geneva, Quindio, on January 25th, 1957, to Manuel Garavito and Rosa Cubillos. The family had seven children. Holy crap, that's a lot of kids. If you got seven kids, bless your heart, but be better than these people for fuck's sake. Um, his father was described as adulterous, drunken, macho, super strict, and physically and emotionally abusive to Garavito and his siblings and even his wife throughout his entire childhood. His mother wasn't any better. Rosa was a violent woman and showed him and the children little to no affection and care. The household was plagued by years of incessant fighting, domestic violence, and extreme neglect. Garavito, when he was six or seven, recalls being strapped to a tree and beaten with a tree branch by his father as he attempted to defend his mother, who was getting beaten during her pregnancy. In 1969, Garavito was tortured and abused by a local drugstore owner and neighbor. The neighbor, who was a close friend of his father's, allegedly bound Garavito to a bed before proceeding to burn him with a candle, cut him with razor blades, and bite him violently during these attacks. In turn, he began sexually abusing his younger siblings. The abuse he was enduring from the neighbor and friend of his father ended after they moved in 1971, but the physical trauma he had endured was so severe that Garavito would not be able to properly ejaculate and would sustain an erectile dysfunction problem that would follow him throughout his life. Soon after arriving in the new town of Trujillo, Garavito was shown sec sorry, heterosexual pornography by another neighbor and family friend. Jesus, do these people just attract pedophiles? Like, what the hell? Okay, 
When Garavito was grossed out and told the man he did not like what he was saying, the neighbor proceeded to beat the crap out of him, throw him into some bushes, and rape him violently. Garavito was kicked out of his house on an almost daily basis throughout his teens, and for the first time he was kicked out, he was attempting to rape a five-year-old boy. He first acknowledged his pederast and sadistic tendencies. He was let back in the house, and again in 1973, he tried to sexually assault a six-year-old boy at a train station in Bogota. The boy screamed, which alerted the authorities who arrested Garavito, who stated that he only wanted to, quote, lightly molest the child, end quote. Lightly? What the? Okay. Following that incident, Garavito was scolded by his father because he chose not to sexually assault a woman instead of a boy. Garavito's homosexuality caused so much uh, fighting between him and his dad that his dad evicted him for the final time for his homosexual behavior. You know, instead of worrying about him trying to rape and lightly molest small children, a five and a six-year-old, he kicks him out because he decided to molest boys instead of girls. Yeah, that's some messed up stuff right there. Throughout the 1970s, Garavito would show symptoms of psychosis, paranoia, and depression as a result of the extreme abuse he had faced in his childhood and adolescence. During the 1970s and 80s, he would sexually molest children of both sexes as he spiraled downward. He would attempt suicide and sadly failed at that. In the 1980s, he sought psychiatric care at the San Juan de Dios Hospital and was hospitalized throughout the spring of 1980. He was treated for depression, psychosis, but not his bulimia that was pretty obvious to the staff there. Garavito obtained employment at a supermarket in Armenia. He had two-hour lunch breaks on Thursday and Sunday afternoons, and he began a relationship with a single mother named Claudia, a beautician whom he described as being the first woman whose company he actually enjoyed. The relationship would eventually end with Garavito saying he could not sustain Claudia's spending habits. So instead, he would go on to indulge in his sexual fantasies by binding and raping children during his two-hour-long lunch breaks in the neighboring towns of Quimbaya and Calarca. He would escalate his habit of molesting children at least once a month to torturing the children with methods that were used on himself as a child by his own abusers. After he would molest them, he would write their name in a blue notebook and pray for them while pacing his room, fervently beating his chest while walking naked in a ritualistic manner. He also began compulsively reading the Bible, attempting to find an explanation, particularly in the book of Psalms. I have no idea what that means. Please do not come at me. For his molestation and torture of youths. Suffering from bouts of depression and guilt for his crimes, he would find himself suffering from nightmares and waking up in tears, 
before entering fits of hysterical laughter as he remembered the pleasure he received from their pain. If that wasn't bad enough, he discovered Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf. A real nice hero to worship there, guy. He discovered similarities in their early lives, their homosexual experiences, and years spent in vagrancy. He idolized Hitler. He expressed admiration for Hitler, the mass graves of the Holocaust, and stated that he, quote, liked the concentration camps, end quote, Jesus. Oh, oh, okay. In addition to his fascination with Hitler, Garavito developed an obsession with the Colombian spree killer Campo Elias Delgado. Admiring his mass murder at a Bogota restaurant, the attention it received, and wanting to emulate him as he and his others watched the story at a local bar. Garavito would harbor fantasies of acquiring a machine gun and starting with his father, of course, annihilating his entire family before committing suicide. Garavito thought that committing suicide following a mass murder would be an ideal way for him to die. On January 25, 1984, Garavito spent 33 days in the psychiatric hospital following a mental breakdown. He was prescribed different antipsychotic medication and was referred to psychotherapy for his depression. After obtaining a permit to leave on the 28th of February, Garavito fled to Pereira, where he immediately lured, bound, molested, and tortured two small children. It was after these attacks he began storing disgusting torture items like scalpels, candles, and razor blades for use on future victims. Having molested and tortured more than a hundred children by this point, he was well on his way to becoming the monster that we know today, or La Bestia. Garavito liked to claim that while operating a Ouija board, he entered a state of psychosis in which the devil asked whether he would like to serve him. Answering that yes, he would, the devil obviously responded saying, kill that with killing many things may come. So with his instructions from the devil clear, he attempted to commit his first murder. He saw a young boy who had been selling sweets and cigars and in a quote, state of drunkenness, end quote, he lured the youth to the Melia Hotel sector in Bolivar, Colombia. Luckily for the child, he was interrupted and beaten by a local police officer who allegedly hit him over the head with a revolver repeatedly. I mean, I have to say, if I was that officer, it would take a lot for me not to do the same thing. So, I mean, it sounds like he got off easy. Uh, they beat him, and as he lay bleeding and hurting, hopefully a lot, they stole 100,000 pesos from him, a watch and a ring, and then took him down to the police station before he was let go. I am not sure how he was let go, but just three days later, he was ready to try again to, you know, uh, fulfill his pact with the devil. He went on to murder Juan Carlos. It was a 13-year-old boy who 
It was walking near a bazaar that he had been drinking at. He often posed as a monk or a priest. One of his many nicknames in Colombian media was El Cura and lured children with promises of money or drinks. He began to follow the child, buying synthetic rope and a butcher knife on the way. Before offering the child 500 or 1,000 pesos, the boy left the crowded area in Jamundi with Garavito to go to a remote area near the local railroad, where he was later found with his front teeth knocked out, severe cuts to his rectum and throat, and his genitals were severed. Waking upon sunrise and seeing what he had done, it's alleged that Garavito began sobbing as he looked at the bloodstains of Carlos on his clothes. He then went on to murder 12-year-old John Alexander Peñaranda on the way to his sister's home while in Tulua. He just started compulsively murdering young males and he liked to take trophies, their amputated toes. In 1993, he changed his M.O. a little bit and also began cutting into his victims' abdomens and leaving some of their organs hanging out. He has been known to kill eight youths between the ages of 9 and 11 that he lured away from a local school to a nearby lot in the La Victoria district. For fear of being traced by bloodhounds, Garavito cut off their toes, but then later discarded them. Before he murdered Henry Giovanni Garcia, Marco Aurelio Castaño, Juan David Cardenas, Jaime Orlando Popayan, and three more unidentified children in southeast Bogota. He murdered two more children before departing for Tulua to Perea, to Quimbaya, then to Tulua again, where he murdered more children, ending with the death of a 13-year-old, Maurizio Molendero Mejia. That wasn't the end of his murdering. That was just the end of that short spree. Because then, in 1994, he would lure a 12-year-old Bogota boy to his death. He enticed the child, offering him some brandy, and once again took him to a secluded spot. He proceeded to strip and bind the boy and was kind of in a dazed state before he noticed a foul odor. That foul odor was his own mass child grave. He decided to let the boy go. After he let the boy go, the child seized the knife and cut Garavito's tendons on his left hand with the weapon before then being overpowered and killed. On February 4, 1994, he would lure a 13-year-old, Jamie Andreas Gonzalez, from the Plaza de Bolivar to a sugarcane field shortly after being expelled from a bar for complaining of their food. Noting a crucifix in the area, he entered a brief psychosis in which he buried his knife, prayed for forgiveness, retrieved the knife, and returned to his hotel room to chant scripture from the 57th Psalm for several hours until dawn. And just because, I actually found Psalm 57, and it goes something like this. 
Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge, until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me, into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory, awake. Psaltery and harp, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. But I'm guessing that didn't really help him because later he would go on to murder an eight-year-old boy and two small children who are unnamed. In addition to his 172 initial charges of murder, Garavito has also confessed to 28 more murders in 2003, of which five people were an adult. Now, he did not kill these adults because he wanted to do terrible things to them. He just needed to get rid of potential witnesses more than fulfill personal fantasy. And I know that we have gotten a little bit graphic, but here's your warning if you want to skip ahead. We're going to discuss his crimes as he describes it and his MO or his modus operandi. So just, you know, skip ahead if you'd like. Just a little 15 seconds at a time and uh, go. Now, Garavito would bind the children while holding them at knife point as he would fondle and sometimes masturbate over them. He also included satanic rituals because the children were blood sacrifices. The poor, poor child victims would endure prolonged rape and torture by having the hands, feet, and buttocks stabbed with a screwdriver. He would use razor blades and flay the skin of the child's buttocks. Teeth were often knocked out in his victims and sharpened objects were inserted inside of them. The penis and testicles were also often severed and placed into the child's mouth while they were still alive. I fucking hate this guy. They were burned with a lighter, stomped on, often showed very deep cuts in the back, belly, and throat, and in some cases, they were sexually assaulted as their intestines poured out of their abdomen that is unimaginable 
He would impale them through the anus and out of the mouth with random items and stab them over hundreds of times. He would also decapitate the child alive or cut their throat and leave their severed genitals in the mouths of the decapitated head. He was also known to be a necrophile as well. He sometimes went back and visited the graves. It's said that he could only achieve orgasm by beating and stabbing his victims during intercourse. The bodies of all the children were found completely naked and all bore bite marks and signs of sexual assault. This is gross. Containers of lubricant were even found near the bodies, along with empty bottles of the cheapest brandy in Colombia. Most corpses showed signs of prolonged torture, like for hours. They would endure it for hours. He did not kill all of his victims. In 1979, he seized a nine-year-old, William Trujillo Mora, who was interviewed and featured on the Colombian television program Los Informantes. That's the only reason I'm mentioning his name. Um, he was playing in the Valle del Coca region as he was joining other children. Garavito, wielding a machete, came up, grabbed him, and threatened to kill him if he screamed. Mora obliged not screaming as he was escorted by Garavito to an abandoned building where he was sexually molested and tortured for 12 hours. When Garavito sensed that someone was near the house, he urged the child to remain silent, which he did. But later on, Garavito passed out from his cheap-ass brandy and lost consciousness, and Mora was able to exit the building. In the early 90s, Garavito approached a 10-year-old boy, I'm going to call him Andy, and offered him gifts and 200 pesos in exchange for work. Garavito led Andy to a secluded hillside spot. He placed the knife at Andy's throat and then proceeded to bind, sexually assault, and torture him. After he was done, Garavito asked Andy whether he enjoyed it. Humiliated and fearful, Andy stated that he liked it. And I'm gonna just lose my mind when I read this, I'm sorry. Garavito then proceeded to say, quote, see you next week. That's how I like it, that you also like it, end quote. This dude is such a fucking monster, I just want to scream. The next boy that survived Garavito was a 16-year-old who we will call Fabrizio. Fabrizio worked with his father in the rooster business. While his father tended the roosters in the cockpit, Garavito took him to a secluded spot, again threatening him with the knife. He then did what he does, sexually assaulting and torturing the young man, and stabbed him seven times with a screwdriver as he raped and beat him ferociously. Fabrizio broke free from his restraints and fled from Garavito. And I'm not sure how he wasn't in jail after all of these children escaped. Maybe he was just that good at fleeing, but I just, it's mind boggling, honestly. 
And now for the beginning of his sweet, sweet demise. In February 1998, two corpses of small children were found lying next to each other outside the town of Genoa, Colombia. The location was set on the slope of a hill as most of his other crime scenes. The next day, only meters away, a third corpse was found, this time in a state of advanced decomp. All the bodies had been tied at the hands, with numerous blood stains detected in the area, a knife was found, they were all bound and naked. The necks of the bodies and the external genitals were deeply cut and or severed. A closer investigation of the bodies revealed bite marks, sexual assault. They also found a bottle of lubricant near there. The post-mortem interval could not be determined. DNA typing of the collected stains could not be performed because of the costs. The what? Excuse me? You have just found the bodies of three small children who have clearly been murdered by a freaking maniac. And you can't allot money to figure out who's doing this. There were several known serial killers on the loose in Colombia at this time. A lot of his victims were attributed to Pedro Alonso Lopez, the beast. The crime scenes and the state of the corpses did not match his modus operandi, though. And that's why I chose to include both of these awful human beings in the same episode. They're both fucking terrible and they operated around the same time. And when I was researching this, I began wondering how many damn serial killers did they have active in this region at the same time? And I found another one. And this one is Daniel Camargo Barbosa, serial killer who was active between the 1970s and 1980s. He also liked to rape, murder, and dismember young girls in Colombia and Ecuador. He earned the name the Sadist of El Charquito for the brutal treatment of his victims, who he hacked to death with a machete. While Camargo was suspected in the deaths of 80 women and girls, he was eventually arrested in Colombia for the rape and murder of a nine-year-old. He was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in jail. He managed to escape from the island prison where he was held, making his way through shark-infested waters to Ecuador, where he continued his gruesome crimes, raping and killing at least 70 more victims. He was captured again and charged with even more murders and was suspected in the deaths of up to 50 more women. He was sentenced to a mere 16 years in prison. I don't know how many times I have to go through this. Oh my God, I'm literally dying. Okay, but he was sentenced, like I said, to 16 years. And, um, and yet another blunder from the criminal justice system, I'm just saying. But luckily, Camargo never made it out of prison as he was killed by another prisoner in 1994. I'm glad that had a good ending because I was about to lose my mind. But back to Garavito. The police had finally started investigating these deaths as the work of a serial killer. Then Garavito really and truly fucks up. Thank goodness he is a drunk moron. 
In February 1999, Garavito passed out partially naked on top of one of his corpses while drunk with a cigarette in his hand, causing the cane field he was in to catch on fire. He burned himself badly and left behind his money, burnt glasses, shorts, shoes, and underwear, receipts, and a note containing Gracia Zabalita's address was also found. From his glasses, the authorities were able to determine that this serial killer was a middle-aged man and had an astigmatism in his left eye, that he walked with a limp and stood approximately 163 to 160 centimeters or 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 6 inches tall. They had falsely arrested a local sex offender named Pedro Pablo Ramirez, who was 44 and had a limp in his right foot. As two more boys disappeared, a young boy had outed Garcia as the man who attempted to assault him. He was kept in jail until more children began to disappear. And then he was released because obviously if he's behind bars, he's not out there kidnapping them. Although he is a fucking pedophile, so there's that. Meanwhile, Aldemar Duran, the main detective, began to suspect Garavito as their killer. Garavito's girlfriend was contacted. She told police that she had not seen him in months, which was true. She did, however, have in her possession a black cloth suitcase that Garavito had left in her possession, which contained a number of his belongings. And these items were very interesting to the detectives. These were pictures of young boys, detailed journals of his murders, tally marks of his victims and bills. Smart man, let's write all this down. This led them to Garavito's residence, but the property was vacant. They believed Garavito was either traveling for work or away attempting to find his next victim. Garavito was later picked up by the local police after he had a charge of attempted rape against a 12-year-old boy. On April 22, 1999, Garavito was drinking brandy in the evening when he encountered the small boy selling lottery tickets in the city of Villa Vicencio. Introducing himself as Bonifacio Morera Liscano, a local politician, Garavito proceeded to seize the child with a knife before threatening him into silence. Pretending to hug Sabagal, Garavito led him to a secluded hillside. Here, Garavito proceeded to bind him while repeatedly screaming, Am I a sadist? He then taunted the child with a knife, shouting various obscenities as he masturbated over him. A homeless 16-year-old was close enough to hear the struggle, and the teen began to curse and throw stones at Garavito. Good, good, thank you. That's perfect. Should have thrown some heavier stuff. That's all I'm saying, like a wrench. Uh, Garavito chased the teenager with the dagger. The police were contacted and the search for Garavito ensued. Authorities found Garavito walking out of the woods at 7 p.m. as they urged angry locals not to get involved in the search for the abductor. He too gave them the false name of the politician, Liscano, and even provided a fake ID to prove that. 
Even though he was definitely suspected to be Garavito, these cops weren't dummies. They got it together eventually anyway. While he was being detained, it was found that Garavito had an eye condition that was rare and only found in men in a particular age group. His glasses were specifically designed for his unique condition. These particular glasses were the same ones found at a crime scene. Garavito also left behind his bottles of brandy and his underwear and his shoes. DNA was found on the victims along with the other items left behind. Police scheduled the entire jail where Garavito was being detained to get an eye exam, the outcome of which would help police pair the glasses to Garavito. By making it mandatory for all the prisoners, it reduced the suspicion and kept him from lying about his eyesight. That's actually pretty genius in my opinion. His height and his limp were also crucial in connecting him to the investigator's findings. While Garavito was out of his cell, detectives took DNA samples from his pillow and living area. The DNA found on the victims was a match to the DNA found in his cell. Garavito confessed to murdering 140 children and was charged with 172 counts altogether. He was found guilty on 138 counts of murder and sexual assault. The others are ongoing. Garavito was sentenced to 1,853 years and nine days in prison, the lengthiest sentence in Colombian history. And here's where my rage just is boiling at the surface, because like I said earlier, if you didn't like that last outcome, you sure as hell ain't going to like this one. And this is why, okay, because Colombian law limits imprisonment to 40 years, 40 years. And because Garavito helped police find the victim's bodies, his sentence was reduced to 22 years. I am literally dying. I just want to scream. So here we are, enraged at a justice system again. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm over that. So let's move on. Now, Garavito is currently serving his sentence in a maximum security prison in Valle du Par in the Department of El Cesar in Colombia. He is held separately from all of the other prisoners because it is feared that he would be killed immediately. Yes, let's hope he would. He deserves some good old prison justice, in my opinion. And guess what, people? He will be eligible for parole in 2023. You heard that correctly. He is eligible for parole next year when he has served three quarters of his sentence. And that's the 22 years. That's not the 1,800 whatever nine days, okay? Garavito remains hopeful. He expressed to Colombian Senator Carlos Moreno de Caro apparent plans to enter Colombian Congress and enter the ministry as a Pentecostal, Pentecostal pastor. See, I'm all worked up. And marry a woman in the hopes that he will be able to help abused children upon his release get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Garavito suffers from severe eye cancer, I hope it's hurtful, which leaves him weak and fatigued and requiring daily blood transfusions. He spends most of his time making handcuffs, 
earrings and necklaces in the medical unit of Valladupar's prison. For now. So there we are. Another case or two down. And that was the monster of the Andes in La Bistia. And I'm putting that other creepo on my list for my next episode. Well, you know, a future episode because I have a long list that I would like to do. But thank you all for listening to This Is True Crime, y'all. My email is thisistruecrimeyall at gmail.com if you have any case suggestions or just want to tell me how terrible I am or how much my accent sucks. Mm -hmm.